The song was written about 10 years after a very devastating time within our country. We had just finished fighting a war that pitted father against son, brother against brother, family against family, neighbor against neighbor. Terrible time. Very difficult following the war and the advantages that were taking place at that time. For someone to, again, take this time to recognize the world is not perfect, but God is. And it is well with my soul when I keep the proper perspective of where I need it to be. I greatly appreciate Kevin in the reading of the scripture this morning. More so after I explain why. Kevin asked me last week, what's the scripture reading for Sunday? Because I'm reading scripture. And I told him I would text it to him. And I text him a scripture, which was not the scripture that he read this morning. He read the scripture this morning because he looked at the bulletin. And so I greatly appreciate you, Kevin. The willingness, I said, go ahead and read the other one. It'd be all right. It was in chapter 48, verses 8 through 13. But they had some similar thoughts in there. I said, I'll make it work if I need to, but I appreciate the reading out of Isaiah 46, verses 8 through 13. There are some things that we need to be reminded of, some things God wants us to understand in a life that we live that so many times we do not. There are many times when we need to listen to what Paul was telling the Romans in chapter 9 of that book, in verses 20 and 21. But indeed, O man, who are you to reply against God? Will the thing formed say to him who formed it, Why have you made me like this? Does not the potter have the power over the clay from the same lump to make one vessel to honor and another to dishonor? That concept that God has created us as a potter does a vessel out of clay. He does the molding and he has, does the shaping. And we at times wonder why did he do it the way that he did? Why did he not choose to do it a different way? Why did he make us different as we are and why did he put us together as we are and so forth? Do we have the right to challenge God and what he has done and why he has done it that particular way. Remember this, and show yourselves men. Recognize who is in, in control. Recall to mind, O ye transgressors, 
Remember what is involved. Go back to chapter 40 of Isaiah. And look at verses 15 through 17. Behold, the nations are as a drop in a bucket. Listen to what he's saying. He's talking about what we understand as powerful nations. They are like a drop in a bucket and are counted as the small dust on the scales. Whatever we achieved in essence is very small in comparison to God. And Lebanon is not sufficient to burn, nor is be sufficient for a burnt offering. All nations before him are as nothing, and they are counted by him less than nothing and worthless. This physical life and all that it composes in the eyes of God are as dust on the scale. They really do not amount to anything. We think they do. We're impressed by them. We're impressed by what we see take place in the physical world in which we live. And we forget to remember the former things of old. I am God. And there is no other. I am God. And there is none like me. Do we understand the power of what God is stating here? We look at the universe, we, we spend time consuming history, reading it, trying to learn from it. We look at the greatness of what's taken place. Some of us who have traveled abroad have been able to go to some of the wonders of the world, some of the great monuments that man has made. And they are worthless. In the eyes of God, they do, not, they do not amount to anything. It's not the physical. We live in the physical. We work with the physical. We're answer for what we've done in the physical. But it is the soul that God is concerned about. The things that were written aforetime, Paul says in Romans 15, 4, were written for our learning and for our admonition. To look at a great nation or for them to look at the great nations of their day and simply be told they're nothing. The Babylonians, the Assyrians, the Assyrians, the Medes and the Persians, the Greeks and the Romans, they're nothing. In the eye of God. And what we go through in the physical in eternity will be nothing. The thought of being in the presence of God, the thought of being able to worship and to praise Him, to do whatever it is that we will do in there, all this pales in comparison along the line. God is able to declare the end 
from the beginning. That's the beauty of prophecy. Why is prophecy? It's why God is able to, before it even took place, He's already declared its end. What power, what majesty, what might is being demonstrated there. And then to know in that, in all of that, to know that in all of the human history, regardless of how long it shall exist, amounts to nothing. And yet, God is concerned about every single soul that has ever lived, that is living, and that shall ever live. And that he loved them so much that he gave his son to die for their sins. He's able to declare the end from the beginning. We need to spend some time on that in our lives, understanding God working in our lives. He sees the end result. We do not. He knows why the trials are there. He knows why the tribulations are there. Why the hardships are there. Because of what it shall produce. And the growth that shall come from it. And the glory that it can give to God as time unfolds. Are we as the clay going to challenge the potter? And to tell him this is not the way for the world to be. This is not the way that history ought to go. This is not the way human beings ought to be. Are we going to challenge God and what he has done? Declaring this end from the beginning. We look over in 1 Thessalonians. And in chapter 5. Verses 23 and 24. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify, set apart you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful who also will do it. God who calls you is faithful and he will do what he has promised. Will we put our trust in him? Will we believe that he is the one who is in control? And from ancient times things that are not yet done saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. Over in the book of Psalms, in Psalm 115, and in verse 3, But our God is in heaven. And he does whatever he pleases. 
It will harmonize it with his will, but he will do his will. He will do as he pleases. We may not understand it. We may not comprehend it. But if God declares the end from the beginning, if he does as he pleases, and if it is acceptable in his sight, then the life I live here, he also knows. And what he does in my life will please him. Will I please him in doing his will? You talk about calling a bird of prey from the east, a man who will execute my counsel. I already told Israel of old what's going to happen and who's going to do it. But he's executing God's will as he does it. That he uses all the nations. Look at Daniel again, Daniel 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, all the way through there. And see how God uses all the nations for his purpose. He brings them to rise. He brings them to fall. He uses what they do as lessons. We will but learn from those, and most of the time we may learn, and then we forget what we've learned. But do we understand that they're all under his control? This is my Father's world. He created it. He sustains it. And at his word, he will bring it to an end. How will I respond to the one who has done that? Indeed, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. It's not by accident. The nations that come up, how they came up, what they do as they're in power, and what they do when they go out of power. All that is done is not by accident. God brings it to pass. He has a purpose. We may not comprehend it. I know I've said at times, I've heard others say at times, when I get to heaven, I want to ask God about certain incidents along the way. I believe that that's not going to be even necessary. It will not matter. I said before, I mean, I might want to ask God, and I told you nothing happened on that day. I don't know what went on that day. I just pick a day out of time, and I use it, and so don't go ask me what happened that day. God, why did that happen to me on July 15th, 1969? Okay, so I, nothing happened that I'm aware of. Don't ask me about that. I believe in eternity. What happened on that day does not matter. What may matter is how I responded to it. But the event itself, why did I have to go through that particular incident at that particular time in my life? Looking into the eyes of Jesus who gave his life for me. Looking into the eyes of the Father who planned my redemption before the world ever formed. 
All I could see is, thank God you cared. And thank God you saved. And thank God for heaven. He purposed it. And he will do it. Listen to me, you stubborn hearted, who are far from righteousness. Understand what's going on. I bring my righteousness near. It shall not be far off. It's right there. My salvation shall not linger. And I will place salvation in Zion. For Israel my glory. God is there. He is working. He's bringing his will about. He's shaping us. He's molding us. He's running us through a fire. He's purging out the impurities. He's preparing us for something that we will never fully ever comprehend until we are in eternity with God. What will we do with what Jesus and God has given to us? And as we read and understand the will of God, why indeed do we wait? God desires to bless. God desires to enrich. God in, in desires to purify. Enhance a life for eternity with him. Why would we wait? He always stands ready to create a new life as a child of God for one who is not. And he always stands ready to restore our life. He's there. The invitation is always his. And it's always open at all times. An opportune time is granted this morning for a decision to be made, for a life to be made right, for a life to begin anew, if that be the case. But as we're singing the invitation song, we're teaching and we're admonishing one another. Listen to those words as we sing them. And if we need to make a change, we can help you or we can assist you. Indeed, we bid you to come as together we stand and sing. Why do you?